0: Today's scripture reading will be from John 12, verses 20 to 33. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said, an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This is the word of God.
1: In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Today is the fifth Sunday in the seasons of Lent, a season where we especially remember and reflect on the suffering and death of Christ. This morning's text invite us to meditate on what Jesus did for us and what it means by following Christ our Lord, the event in John chapter twelve verses twenty to thirty three take place in Jerusalem right after Jesus' triumphant entry, close to the Feast of Passover, and in the period leading up to his crucifixions on Good Friday. John chapter twelve verses twenty to thirty three is one of those texts. Where I think, if we are honest, we are sort of confused by Jesus and feel some sympathy for the disciples when we read the dialogue carefully. Looking back at chapter 11, we see a movement that is beginning to snowball and gain traction. Jesus raising Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, from the dead and many people who were there believed in him chapter 11 verse 45 after Lazarus is raised from the dead Jesus eats with him and Mary Martha Judas and perhaps some of the other disciples and it is at this meal that Mary anoints Jesus's feet with costly perfume That is verses 1, chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. A great crowd of people learned that Jesus was with Lazarus, and the people came out in droves. Who wouldn't want to see Jesus? See this man who had once been dead, and the one who had called out to him and brought him back to life. Chapter 12, verse 9. The swell of people who believe in Jesus because of the raisings of Lazarus was a concern of the chief priests. And so they began to plot not only to leave Jesus put to death, to have Jesus put to death, but Lazarus as well. But despite the growing fears and plots of the religious leaders, the crowd continues to grow. The great crowds of people that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was going to be there, and they took branches of palm trees and met Jesus as he came into Jerusalem. They called out to him, Hosanna, and they cried out to him as their king. From the moment Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Until the moment he rode into Jerusalem on a young donkey, the crowd of people who believed in him continued to grow. The crowd had seen that even death was no match for Jesus, and they were moved to believe. They saw amazing things, and they believed in him. Verses 17 and 18. The Pharisees were deeply concerned by the growing movement of people believing in Jesus, and they said, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Verse 19 And here is where our passage begins in verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. And they have come to see Jesus. They find Philip, a disciple with a Greek name, and who came from the Bethsaida, and possibly spoke Greek, and make his powerful this powerful inquiry: "Sir, we would like to see Jesus." Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. These Greeks were probably the God-fearing Greeks who followed some Jewish teachings and attended synagogues, worshipped in their hometowns, and regularly travelled to Jerusalem for religious festivals. They were among the many people, Jews as well as Gentiles, who had come to Jerusalem from throughout the Roman Empire to celebrate Passover festival. And worship at the temple no doubt they had heard many reports about Jesus including the recent news that he had raised Lazarus of Bethany from the dead as soon as Philip and Andrew tell Jesus that some Greeks have come to see him Jesus begins a difficult teaching filled with tensions and reversals. What was the need of this Greek? Salvation. What was the solution? Jesus' the sacrificial death on the cross. So in John chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Up, To this time, Jesus had always said, My hours had not come. But now, for the first time, He said, My hours has come. Meaning that the hour of His glorification, the hour of His death, the hour of His burial, the hour of His resurrection, the hours of his ascension and the hour of his sessions. The time for these great redemptive events, which would bring salvation to these Greeks, had now come. My hour has come, Jesus said. The coming of this Greek was seen by Jesus as a sign that the time had come for him to die as a Passover lamb. Not as the Passover lamb for a family, a tribe, or a nation, but as the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the whole world and whose death would secure salvation. Not only for Jews, but also for these Greeks who were knocking at the door. I'm not sure what the Greeks were expecting when they went looking for Jesus. I have a feeling that they hoped to hear his wise and strange parable to receive or receive healing. That's what many people looked for when they came to see Jesus. I'm not sure that they or the disciples were prepared for Jesus to speak of his death. Jesus explained the significance of his death in this way. It would be a dying to release his life in others in verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The wheat seed as it were dies to allow more wheat to grow. That's how Jesus explained the necessity of his death. Eternal life existed in him alone among humans, but by dying he could release that life to others, to others who put their trust in him. Christ is going to be exhausted, magnified, and glorified by dying. This is the hour he speaks of. In verse 32, Jesus refers to this hour as he is being lifted up from the earth. He is lifted up on the cross so that the grain of wheat may be multiplied in all the earth. When I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. The gospel comes through the cross first, and then the crown, through crucifixion and then coronation. The Gentiles who despise God are now coming to seek the Son of God. The coming of the Greeks was a sign that the Messiah would draw unto Himself all people, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. The death of Messiah on the cross has cosmic implications for the world. If there is no death, there is no life. If there is no death, the world is condemned. If there is no death, Satan and his fallen angels will conquer this world. If there is no death, the seed of the serpent will crush the seed of the woman. Verse 25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That is what Jesus was about to do. He was to lose his life so that others might gain his life. But now it's also a truth about his followers. What does hating our lives mean? Jesus is speaking of hating our life in relationship to following him. He says that if we are to serve him, we are to follow him. Jesus is saying that to hate our life is to not allow anything we do to, hidden, to do to to hidden us from living to God. It means to devote ourselves completely to doing the will of God rather than seeking our own will and desires. But if they weren't willing to die, to sell, and to follow Jesus, then they would miss out on receiving eternal life. Many people confronted with the claim of Jesus on their life choose to ignore him. They won't want to give up their lives to follow Jesus. They want to be free to do their own things. That's what Jesus is talking about here. The choice is to follow Jesus by believing and trusting in him and following his commandments, or to keep on rejecting him. The former brings eternal life. The latter means eternal death. Verse 26, Whoever served me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Jesus sees us as his servants. He has work for us to do. It means following him as disciples, doing what he has commanded us to do, walking in his steps. In that way, we will be where he is, in the place he wants us to be, in this life and the next if we are faithful in seeking to serve jesus god the father himself will honor us verse 26 god honors all those who honors his son those who live for him conversely god will not honor those who have rejected his son throughout their lives that is the truth about Jesus that he reveals to the Greeks. But now it's also become a truth about him, about them, and about us. Jesus' self-revelation is always a confrontation. He says in verses 25 and 26, in accents, "'My dying for your salvation,' It's also my design for your imitation. If you want to see me, and are you prepared to become like me? This is what happens. Do you mean it? We wish to see Jesus. Do do we mean it this morning? Jesus says, if you mean it, if you want to see me, Prepare to become like me. Prepare to follow me on the road that I am going on. So Jesus began with truth about himself. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And this will happen by the grain of wheat falling into the ground and dying. Then he makes a truth about himself, a truth about his followers. Jesus' heart was troubled at the thought of becoming a sin offering he say he even says, "Father, save me from this hour which is to be understood and translated as an exclamation point and not a question mark. This is similar to his language in Gethsemane. Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Take this cup from me. Yet he realised that the very purpose of his incarnation was that he would die for the sin of the world in the fullness of time he came for this hour he knew that if he did not die no human being could have forgiveness of sins and enjoy eternal life with god despite the unrest in his own heart Jesus knew that God's will was that he should die and bring glory to his Father, to redeeming both Jews and Gentiles, whom God loved from all eternity from the world. He prayed about his situation saying, Father, glorify your name. Verse 28. In other words, Jesus was praying Similar words as Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Yet not what I will, but what you will. The Father speaks from heaven, firmly confirming that he will be glorified with the lifting up of his Son. In verse 28. The people who stood there thought that the angel was speaking. Some say that it thundered. They were wrong on the account of what had just transpired. It was not an angel speaking, nor was it thundering. It was rather God the Father speaking and saying in essence, This is my beloved Son. In His death, I am well pleased. This is the irony of the cross. The cross is an instrument of torture and disgrace. As he went to the cross, Jesus was beaten, mocked, stripped, and humiliated. The cross was not just designed to execute, it was designed to humiliate. The irony though is that the cross becomes a means to glorify God. Jesus explained to the crowd the significance of what has just happened. Jesus said in verses 30 and 31, This voice was was for your benefit, not mine. Now it's time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. The voice from heaven had authenticated Jesus' whole message and ministry. The crowd was meant to hear it. The cross will be a judgment on this world. The devil Jesus revealed what's wrong with the world. When the world exercised judgment on Jesus by sending him to the cross, it judged itself. When Jesus comes to the world and the world rejects him, it reveals what's wrong with the world. In the murder of Jesus, evil is exposed in its most extreme form. The worst about us is revealed. It exposes our deficiencies. The cross is a judgment on the way the world thinks, on the values of the world. On the way, the world knows and thinks. That's why there is no hope for those who reject Jesus, because the cross is a judgment on those who reject him. Next, God's judgment will fall on Satan, the prince of the world. When Jesus was glorified, lifted up on the cross, Satan was dethroned. The death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus mark the end of Satan's dominion and brings his defeat. The defeat has already happened. It's just that the clock is running out at the cross. Jesus administrated the death a blow that will ultimately steal the movements of of Satan. Jesus foretold his coming crucifixion as he would be lifted up on a cross to be crucified. He would draw people to himself thirty two and thirty three. Some would be drawn to trust in him and to place that whole future in his hands. Others will be drawn to him but would reject him isn't that what jesus wanted to do in this story the greeks wanted to see jesus but jesus didn't want them to see him the way he was at the moment he didn't want them to see him preaching to thousands of people and miraculously healing scores of the sick and suffering and being worshipped by hosts of disciples He wanted these people to understand the purpose of his mission. Jesus said these words in Jerusalem on the week of his death, which means that in just a few short days, he would be lifted up onto a cross outside of Jerusalem. And there, as he bled and agonized and died, that That is when he would draw all people to himself. That is where these Greeks could see him. That is where Jesus' followers could look on his face. That is where the world would gaze upon the Son of God on the cross in the middle of the death. Let me close by asking you uh, to examine yourself, uh, your own life, especially during this season of Lent. To see Jesus is not just to look at him, which is what those Greeks presumably wanted. To see Jesus is to enter totally into his way of thinking, to understand why he had to suffer and die and rise again. Like the grain of wheat, Jesus had to let go of everything, including his own life, in order to bring life to himself and many others. In the process, both he and we will be transformed. If we cannot see this, As a core of Jesus' life, we have not really seen him. But Jesus goes further and says we must have the same way of thinking. Again in verse 25, Anyone who loves their lives will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And if we want to be close to Jesus, we have to walk His way. Verse 26 Whoever served me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. It means walking with Jesus all the way to Calvary, wherever that happened to be for each of us. Are we ready for that? Are we afraid to let everything go? Is Jesus asking too much? Let us have no doubt. Jesus himself was afraid, deeply afraid. Verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. It is clear that it is the prayer Jesus would like to pray. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 puts it graphically. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Letting go did not come any more easily to Jesus than it does to us. But after this prayer, When he sweat blood in fears and trembling, he was able to say, Yes. Though he was God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And as a result, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Hebrew chapter 5, verses 8 to 9. As Jesus himself said at the end of today's gospel passage, verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Lifted up refers to both the cross and to the glory of the Father, where we are invited to follow. So let us today learn to see Jesus, the Jesus of the Gospel, the Jesus who let go of everything for us and who invites us to be with him all the way. Let us pray for this courage and his trust in his Father that the life and happiness and fulfillment we all long for is in the letting go and letting God. Amen. I would like to end with praying the collect of the fifth Sunday of Lent. Let's pray. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruling wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the shift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.